Today's episode is brought to you by Cameo. If your organization is looking to adopt Chromebooks, but you need to give your people seamless access to all their apps, including Windows apps, Cameo is the simplest and most secure and most cost-effective way to deliver all the apps your people need to be productive on Chrome OS. Cameo is a Chrome Enterprise recommended virtualization solution and is deeply integrated with Chrome OS and the Google Admin Console, making it easy for you to push any app as a PWA to your Chromebooks. And now you can take advantage of a special Chrome OS and Cameo bundle that makes it easier than ever to test. If you're interested, you can head over to cameo.com forward slash unbox. That's C-A-M-E-Y-O dot com slash unbox or click the link down in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by the official coffee of the Chromecast podcast, Fresh Roasted Coffee, who we've partnered with to make a special edition Chrome Unboxed anniversary blend. Here at Chrome Unboxed, we're not just nerdy about Chromebooks, we're also coffee snobs. And look, we wasted a lot of time hand roasting coffee before we found Fresh Roasted Coffee, and we haven't looked back since. This coffee is roasted fresh to order, immediately packaged, nitrogen flushed and shipped directly to your door. And although we can't officially say that this Chrome Unbox edition tastes any better than the normal anniversary blend, that is the word around town. But don't just take our word for it. Pick up a bag for yourself and let us know what you think. You can grab a bag over at chromeunbox.com forward slash coffee. Welcome to the Chromecast the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Chromecast. Today, we have an interview episode with Alex Kusher, who is the Senior Director of Software Development at Google. I asked Alex for his job title, and he said that was just kind of the shortest and sweet version. But he does a ton of work and has done a ton of work on Chrome OS over the years. So we decided to do five questions with Alex Kusher about 100 versions of Chrome OS. We talk about some of the early days, some of the challenges they had, and then we talk a little bit about the future. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Alex Kusher. Alrighty, Alex, thank you so much for taking some time to chat. This is, uh, this is an exciting time for us, 100 versions of Chrome OS. And we cannot be more excited to be chatting with you. We can talk through some of the early days. We can talk about the future and uh, everything in between. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me again. I'm, I'm super psyched to be here. Uh, it's, it's great. 100 releases is a great time to, to chat a bit about the past and the future. So this is awesome. Yeah, it was, it was funny. In, in our podcast last week, we were, we were talking a lot about um, uh, what's happening with Steam and really excited about all of that. And just uh, the conversation evolved and we were just getting very kind of reminiscent. You know, we were, we were just kind of thinking back and, and talking about you know where 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 how far we've come in something like you know steam integration and how all of that's working and all the layers of things that are happening behind the scenes to make that possible you know not just a browser anymore that's that's for sure <laughs> it's true it's still that you know the web is still at, at the core but it's not um yeah just it so it's it's exciting it's fun to see some of the early advertisement actually where we made some pretty bold claims instead of where we had to go back on some of them uh, over time. 
which I think is the best sort of public indicator of how we have evolved. Um, um, as you look back, it's kind of fun. I love that. We might have to. We might have to get some some links for those. It's probably floating around on a YouTube channel somewhere. We'll see what we can find. Yeah. So so what we wanted to do today, we wanted to do five questions and try to put together these questions in a way that we we kind of cover some of the early times and, and, and kind of work our way through some of the, the milestones, right, that happened and then also chat a little bit about the future and, and some of your thoughts on, on where maybe Chromebooks are heading. And I just, you know, I, I remember when we first, we, we, had a, we had an interview with you. It was one of our first Google representatives that we ever kind of spokesperson that we ever chatted to chatted with. And that was, I'd have to go back and look, but that was one of our first interviews that we did for, for the, for the podcast. And, uh, and it's been, it's been a, it's been a journey for us trying to uh, evolve the show. And here we are again, you know, a hundred versions and this is just an exciting time. So we, we do appreciate you taking the time. So let's hop right into these questions. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's go here. So, um, uh, so what was it like in the early days working on Chrome OS, especially when no one really understood what you all were attempting to do? Uh, that's, that's a fun, uh, fun basis. Um, I, there's two emotions that early on were sort of always, uh, with me. Um, there was the potential of bound, like the boundless potential, right? If you start out fresh, which was the entire idea, it's like, hey, everything else has huge legacy. Let's design an operating system that actually is in the here and now and designed with the world that we were seeing, you know, not at the time, but the world that we we're sort of foreseeing. So that was boundless opportunity. It was pretty exciting to sort of, we had, we had huge, you know, sessions around what could it be like, clearly the cloud is coming, right? Um, connectivity is changing, right? Like the word 5G didn't exist yet, but, you know, sort of mobile connectivity was a thing and like cellular networks, prices were coming down. So you saw all these trends and if you extrapolated them out, you saw sort of this really exciting future and you sort of had to ask yourself, well, what is it? Is it two years, five years, 10 years, right? Let's design for that. Boundless opportunity, super exciting. Um, so we spent a good amount of time on that, which was maybe some of the, um, like, you know, most, most fun I had sort of designing a product from scratch, in particular an operating system, which is sort of, you know, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the pinnacle for, for, for some of that um, software development. That was in, in an interesting way sort of counterbalanced by reality, uh, which is many of the first decisions were all about, yeah, that's all great and fantastic to think about. Just make it work. How about you guys work on making Wi-Fi work? Uh, sort of those things. There was a lot of that early on, where there was also there were also many um, very simple questions. And for a product manager like me who thinks about users and their needs, um, often the question was not what's the best answer. The question was, shall it work? Yes or no? Right. Mm -hmm. So like, shall the thing boot? Right. Yes. Right. Like, shall there be an icon that tells you about Wi-Fi? Probably yes. So sort of a lot of the early ones were just making sure that we had all the basics together. And assembling them, mm. um, and that was sort of a lot of sort of, you know, just rebuilding a bunch of basics. Um, um. In a way, by the way, I thought that was a really powerful combination because it, since we thought mm. about the future, we could make some decisions with the assumption that okay, we're going to go eventually there. So let's design it in a way that it is ready to to actually serve that future. Um, 
high le- that's a high level sort of early days. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like whenever you all were first making? And, and you know, you mentioned some of the some of the early advertisements and stuff. Like, what was it like trying to communicate? I'm, I'm going. I, I told you I was going to stick to the questions, and of course, I'm already off the questions. That's just. <laughs> but like, what was it like trying to communicate it, like to to consumers, to the average person that's out there thinking about buying a computer? And you said, you know, there was, you know, you all, you all were, were trying to be, you know, very uh, uh, forward thinking in a lot of this stuff. Like, what was the messaging and what were you, what was it like internally trying to figure out how to explain this kind of new way of computing to people? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's sort of, it's, it's the internal external um, boundary there, right? Like where um, internally we were still sitting with, with stopwatches counting how fast the thing boots, right? Um, we had yep. very few metrics, like. It was all very much manual testing. Like I was, I was sitting nights with multiple Chrome boxes just to make sure. Like, what happens if you have this device and that device next to each other? Like, do they explode? Um, they don't explode, but sort of what happens to, to them? Um, yeah. Uh, and then externally, you wanted to. So you you were working on making things work, and externally, you're trying to explain the vision, right? And the vision was clearly about speed, simplicity, security in like a you know in, in the future where where people are on the go, people are mobile, the cloud is, is uh, where everything is heading, right? Um, um, very much what we're seeing right now is sort of very much realize itself. Um, so we tried to sort of, instead of focusing on um, what was, I think at the time, traditional advertisement and traditional outreach about, hey, here's this new feature, it has a thing in it, um, sure. and now it comes with like bells and whistles and, and you know, in, in bling bling. Um, it was much more about, let, let us tell you actually about our vision. And that was a gamble a bit, a bit right. like starting with the vision and then bringing the product in. Um, so if you look at some of our really early advertisements, they were graphic, right? There was no physical uh, device in there. It was all graphics that mm-hmm. talked about like, hey, think about this. Like, the future is, mm. is, is in the cloud. Here's the advantages of it. Um, um, and, and sort of making that... Um, Making it understandable, not so abstract, was really crucial to us, um, both from the, the the marketing and from the product perspective. Right in marketing, there was sort of one line that um, uh, was fun: is like you could throw it in a river and like pick up another one. Uh, and then we sort of put an asterisk there. Our lawyers told us yeah. to not throw a Chromebook in the river, um, which is bad. Um, but the idea is like okay, that, that brings home the idea that actually, like you don't want, like you want to have the ability to pick up another device, right? Sync is super, super useful for people. Um, back up, like having your stuff backed up is really crucial. And that was still the time when everybody was like putting backups on their hard drives and you lose the hard drive, oh, yeah. right? And then like, it was a hard drive. So if you shake it too much at some point, like the little head would break. Yeah. So USB sticks, everybody, everybody carrying around USB sticks and you would, you would maybe have one in your pocket and throw it in the washer. And then you're like, oh no, there's all my classwork yeah. or, or worse, right like you leave a usb stick in a coffee shop somewhere right like, these things yep. are easy to to lose um so making that vision um uh, of the future mm-hmm. uh, making that sort of with examples uh understandable i think was important um and i actually think yeah. to be honest people people got that people understood sort of oh yeah that makes sense like you know sort of a a pretty pretty clear message um i think yeah. where it was interesting is where um, there's a, there's, there's a people buy into that one, but there's also needs that you have today 
and sort of making those two work together was something that we had to work on a lot, actually. Yeah, and like from our perspective, you know, we we all uh, we all say, and and I think we've talked about on this show before, like we're all a little bit of uh, contrarians, maybe we're always trying the new thing. Uh, that's just kind of the way we're all wired, and the early days of of Chrome OS, especially you know for Robbie and Gabriel, was you know that 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 fun that excitement of of tinkering and, and kind of learning this new operating system but we obviously love to see the 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 maturation of it now and and see how full featured it is but there's still there's still even you know we were talking about the you know about canary and gabe's always in canary testing new things and trying new things with with chrome os but you know it that those early days of of you saying you know like having all the different chromebooks and saying oh is this gonna work on this or work on that like that's always been an, an an exciting kind of part of Chrome OS uh, for us. You, I, I, I don't quote me here, but I want to say that Peter said something about um, wallpapers and your influence on wallpapers for Chrome OS. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, it, it's one of those great examples where I think the early think about early Chrome OS as sort of a um, almost a. a so for goalposts, he said it out all the, the, the way of the extreme uh, realization of a vision. And you have to ask yourself, okay, by going to the extreme, like wh- what have we, wh- what is missing there? Like what do you need to adjust? Um, and we went there. And again, the same advertisement, you got to find it, says like, yeah, it, it, it has not even a wallpaper. Um, well, one of my first projects was, hey, Alex, you know, you should probably add a wallpaper to Chrome OS. And I was like, and I saw that and I was like, well, that's going to go around great. Um, yeah. But th- there was an interesting thing behind this, which is like, it's a learning, right? So you put this out there and mm-hmm. we're like, let's go for simplicity. Let's go for like, you know, just one window, maximize, boom, done. That's the simplest version you can imagine, right? Um, but then you learn. And the wallpaper was a great example where we were like, the, the sort of, the, the, um, the logic in you says it serves no purpose. It is a picture behind your windows. Like, what is that for? Um, however, that completely discounts the fact that um, your yeah, emotion and, and art and personalization plays a role in the uh, way you interact with your computing devices. And we see that today with, with hardware as well, where hardware, like the Google Homes, have soft material, right? Technology becomes much more personal, much more um, um, something that like, you want to interact with that feels more human. And the wallpaper was a way of that, of people to just showcase their personality in this device, right? The same reason they put stickers on the outside. The same reason we don't all drive the same colored car. Um, it's sort of that aspect is really crucial. And that's not as logical, but it's very emotional. It's just as important. So by adding that in, uh, it made a huge difference. Yeah, it wasn't the hardest feature in the world, right? Like you put a picture behind it, um, but it certainly was, um, it had an outsized effect. Uh, we were in a review where yeah. somebody was like, wow, 20 years of computer science and the wallpaper makes a big difference. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what matters. Like making things itself is really, yeah. uh, is really crucial to humans. And then I think I want to put that in there because we worked on that one night, which is, and we always ask ourselves, okay, but how can we serve that need in a different way, right? And we were like, you know what? Let's build a, a wallpaper app that actually pulls from the cloud. So the early wallpaper app had like all these cloud-supported wallpapers that we work with artists to get, um, that you could get the like, syncs between your devices. So you didn't have to like go to google.com image search and find like, you know, blue mountain with lake in front. 
Um, but we actually had a curated set, and to date, we still do that, where we have sort of artists yeah. coming in from different backgrounds and just providing the user out of the box with that. And I really love that sort of little story of the wallpaper app. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's the little things, right? <laughs> love it. Um, all right, I'm going to try to get back on track here. Let's go to our next question. All right, what was the biggest change in direction that you all had along the way to M100? And when we say M100, that's that's just version 100. Uh, for those for those listening, so M100 along the way, what was one of the biggest changes in direction that you all that you all had? That's a great question um, because the way that we're building the operating system, right, by releasing every the time six weeks now four weeks mm-hmm. is we we try to make many fast small changes more than one big change to take people with us and to sort of like gradually change it. We think that's the right way to build software. Um, that said, there were a few big changes in there, so I can actually answer your question for real. Um, th- there's maybe two really big ones. One is, I think it was, at the time we still called it not M, but R, R19 and R20. Uh, that's when uh, we built Aura, which was the new user interface. Um, as part of that, we built the wallpaper. That was the time when we moved from a full screen window manager to having multiple windows, when we introduced the launcher, right. when we introduced... Um, um, uh, like sort of the, con- the early concept of apps, the early concept of certain settings where we uh, sort of really changed all of that. Um, that I think was a huge pivot because we were just enabling ourselves to be much more flexible because we had this, you know, one, one, sc- one window fills the screen and now we had the ability to flex between screen sizes. I had one of the early Chrome boxes on my desk and I put it into, you know, next on a monitor. I was like, this is one window. That's a bit massive um so right. having the ability to support a wider range of input output that was really crucial i think that was a huge pivot that today right like many of the decisions we made for aura um are still there uh and and that i think that's one sort of crucial crucial pivot uh that, that we made um the other one i think is when we started to introduce you know, container technology to chrome os and we brought mm-hmm. the first android apps over in the play store when we sort of said, listen, we're actually really excited about giving people a uh, choice and giving people um, uh, a multi-tiered app platform strategy where you have first-class citizens and PWAs, where you have Android apps coming in in a container, um, where if you're a developer, you can bring Linux apps on, um, where now we're putting Steam onto it, but we're streamlining this and we're giving you a discovery mechanism that is unified across those. I think that's the other piece where really expanding the apps ecosystem was a crucial other step. Um, um, I think those uh, those two may be the biggest pivots. Um, I'll, I'll put a little piece in there. Um, I think on the on the enterprise side, um, when the team brought some of the speed, simplicity, security aspects to enterprise management and was like, let's make management really easy, right? Let's make it really easy for people yeah. to set these devices up, no admin needed. So not make it only simple for the end user, but make it simple for the administrator, I think was another crucial early on pivot um, that quite frankly was really key to enabling our success in education because yeah. th- there yeah. wasn't making it simple for the administrator. There was no administrator in the school, right? So you made it simple for for that amazing hero of a teacher who's like, I'm going to set up 30 devices. I think I can figure yeah, it out. I think <laughs> I can figure it out. Like, those, are, like, those, are, those are heroes. So I'm like, Making it easier yeah. for them, I think, was another pivot where um, I think nobody has sort of had the idea of let's make enterprise software simple because, you know, you kind of get a lot of money from service contracts and whatnot. 
So doing that, I think, was equally crucial to the user interface changes I just mentioned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cameo. If your organization is looking to adopt Chromebooks, but you need to give your people seamless access to all their apps, including Windows apps, Cameo is the simplest and most secure and most cost-effective way to deliver all the apps your people need to be productive on Chrome OS. Cameo is a Chrome Enterprise recommended virtualization solution and is deeply integrated with Chrome OS and the Google Ads admin console, making it easy for you to push any app as a PWA to your Chromebooks. And now you can take advantage of a special Chrome OS and Cameo bundle that makes it easier than ever to test. If you're interested, you can head over to cameo.com forward slash unbox. That's C-A-M-E-Y-O dot com slash unbox, or click the link down in the show notes. Well, and that, that that flows into our next question here because one the the one of the other kind of pivots that we at least we saw kind of from the consumer side uh, was around seventy. So uh, so here so here's our kind of question here. So Chrome OS seventy was a huge pivot for the overall UI. Was that all for the slate? And what was it like internally when that device didn't quite take off? Now I'm like Chrome OS seventy. What exactly did we launch there? <laughs> Tablet, yeah, tablet mode, and I, I, yeah. I, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, so the 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 theme of the the day was, um, yeah, Slate came out, but there was also a bunch of OEM devices that came out around the same time. And what we actually saw was starting to people are starting to explode the um, the form factors much more. You can oh. actually see that you know, Aura was partially introduced by like larger screens. There were you know pretty big screens and external monitors and external clearing. That sort of caused that. And then we brought it to the internet fleet. Um, in 70, we had sort of opposite end of the spectrum where we saw more interest in more mobile devices. Some of the like connectivity pieces came to play. Touch became much more of an input method that, you know, at the very beginning of Chrome OS wasn't on, on conceivable yet on laptops. So we had to ask ourselves, okay, there's new input and output modalities. We have to adjust our operating system to it. Um, Slate was one of the like internal vehicles to make that happen. Um, there are also external ones, which actually had smaller touchscreens, which were also very interesting um, to to play with. Um, there was an early HP one at the time that was that was actually quite working well. Um, but with every new, like, in particular, input output method, those you rarely get right in the first try. Um, so there was a little bit of an expectation: this is going to take some iteration. Quite frankly, hence the four-week release cycle. Um, because not only, um, you know, it, here's what you think about this. People were like, touch is when to replace the keyboard. Actually, it isn't, uh, right? It is an additional input method you use. And that's what we you know, sort of soon realized there is as we have more abilities to interact with our computers, often they're complementary. Like, I want to use this device as a touch device sometimes. Then I want to touch a keyboard. Sometimes I want to even have a mouse. Like, an external, like I have a mouse here on my desk still, right? Like, that's still around. Um, a trackpad. So understanding that the modalities become more and more multi-modality and that a single device actually can change its character from like, I'm a laptop to I'm a tablet to like, I now power an external monitor. That was sort of the start of the journey with M70. We sort of put our first foot forward there, learned a lot from it um, to understand how do you, how do you drive the balance between it should, it should feel good and native and touch forward if you're more on the mobile touch mode, but then it should retreat back to sort of a more productivity focused experience maybe as a keyboard and a mouse, a high point precision pointing device. And like that transition should be enough 
to optimize, but not too much that you're jarred by it. And that is just, A, frankly, really hard. Um, but I think over time, you know, it took us, yeah, about 20 to 30 releases to get that really right. Um, but with stuff mm -hmm. like the Lenovo um, uh, Flex devices, I think it really started showing how this came together more recently. Um, but yeah, there lots of learnings from, from this late times for sure. Well, and, and I, I think it was a, a conversation that we had uh, with, uh, with John Miletus where he was talking about kind of lighthouse devices and, and a lot of the products that, that Google, you know, at least at that time were put, was putting out were, were lighthouse devices. So, so although maybe when, when the, when the slate was released, um, there was kind of all of these things happening in the background, right. That were, that were pushing towards touch and then just kind of seeing that evolve over time. Cause now, you know, we, we have, you know, the duet five, the duet three here in the office, um, constantly trying to, um, you know, figure out these new types of, of devices that, that people can go by. You put it exactly right, and John put it right, which is um, Chrome OS in itself was built with this like lighthouse idea, right? We put an extreme out there and then we iterated from there. Um, the Google devices are often the same way where, right, like the, the first Pixelbook was, was a lighthouse. It was much more powerful than what's out there, right? So you have to push the edge of, of what is capable. Um, Slate the same way. It was a large touch device. It's sort of push the boundaries and sort of like show an anchor. Uh, and then we would sort of work together as an ecosystem towards that anchor. Um, yeah. and, and you need those and you need to make those things. And they're sometimes sort of very much out there, but that, that's where you push the entire, the entire um, ecosystem forward together. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much that, that I love about the slate. And I, I still, I, I had the slate over at the house and was using it over there quite a bit. Uh, that's such a, beautifully designed device for one and uh still still like using that device uh pull it out every now and then so okay let's hot let's keep let's keep rolling here let's let's move on to our fourth question okay um so so does the nature of chrome os and the web languages it excels at make it harder or easier to bring in new more complex features so basically you know chrome os is built <laughs> you know on a lot of these web languages and now as it has evolved, we're we're adding you know new new features. Is that is that something you all are running into? As far as uh, is that is that bringing in new challenges, or what are your thoughts there? Um, it's an interesting combination. The question of the sort of languages in Chrome OS. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I think the nature of Chrome OS itself, um, as as an underlying sort of at the very sort of metal place, uh, I think actually makes it easier to bring in uh, new experiences. Right when we built the container technology. Um, we were like, oh, this is great. The same way we sort of, in a very rough idea, like sandboxing on the web, we can now do this for app, app platforms, right? So that we can bring Android in, we can bring um, um, Steam in, we can bring Linux in. That actually made it easier because now we had this like, oh, well, like, we have this tool to not be limited to one, but to provide users with, with the sort of choice, uh, which makes it harder for us to then have to explain it and bring it back together so that the, the sort of technology underneath gets hidden. But hey, that's what we're here for as an operating system. We're the orchestrator trying to bring this into, you know, bring the different uh, musicians into one wonderful concert. Um, so that made it easier. I think uh, if you go one level up, um, I, I the way I think about this, it's um, for us as an operating system, it's always great to have uh, this AWIN open source operating system, the web is open for everybody. And I think this, this 
this openness, um, Android is open source, right? This openness helps a lot with our operating system development because A, we're out there. We get feedback way early on. You mentioned your colleague is on Canary, right? Um, not only in Canary, like we have lots of people looking at our code actually, right? We have people looking at mm -hmm. the web platform itself and it's asking, oh, there's this interesting new feature on the web platform that really helps with apps. Like wonder how Chrome OS is gonna implement that. So I actually think that like, if you think about the nature of, of, of the web, of being open, of being uh, multi-stakeholder, of being shareable and like being sort of free and access to you know, yeah. information is free. Um, that I think is crucial as an interplay with Chrome OS, but it's very much the same shared idea behind it, which is, you know, it's, it's about providing you access to information fast, free, speed, simple security, and make you productive in creating such information. That, that sort of like really feeds off of each other. I sound a bit sort of intense maybe on that, but it actually really is exciting to me to provide that, like that really is where the magic happens to, to, to a large degree. hundred percent. I, I, yeah, I, I think, I think that's definitely true. And how much interconnectivity, you know, so, so, so from a web standpoint, obviously, you know, uh, being, being as open as it is, there's a lot of different input, but just like the team. So we, we had a conversation, I won't, we haven't put it out yet. So I, I don't, I don't want to say with who exactly, but we had a conversation we were talking about, we were talking about, um, kind of uh, app developers and how Chrome OS is evolving there. We talked about this in our podcast last week a lot as we were talking about Steam. But, you know, in that conversation, we were talking about, you know, how maybe there's this team over here building this thing and this container technology that allowed Steam to happen is also now allowing this other thing to happen. Like, what is that interconnectivity between the teams and how are you all, like, collaborating to, if you're seeing someone else that's building, you know, these, the, the, containers for for android apps how are they how are they you know you all talking with each other to then say oh i can maybe use that technology to do this thing that i've been thinking about is there is like what is that collaboration like um that, that's actually one of the most exciting parts and i think you actually talked to a member of my team so <laughs> but keep it secret from everybody else when you talk yeah for now for now um so they actually I mean containerization is a great example of that actually right it's it's not that's not just for Steam. It's something that we looked at actually early on for uh, for the Android apps, and then the Steam piece came to it, Linux came to it, right. and and um, when we looked at the Linux aspect in particular, so the Linux developer more sort of that angle, um, we started talking to some teams at Google who were like in the data center world who actually use container technology as well. So that's actually make it exciting when you're like, oh wait, not only in operating systems, like well. It's also in the servers, sort of that sort of breadth of some of those technologies is really exciting. Um, and in fact, that's a lot where we where we engage with other teams um, at Google, but then again, open source also outside to see where, where are people pushing these things, right? And like, how can maybe a technology that is really interesting at a very operating system level apply to the needs of our users? Um, you know, it was a pretty far jump from containerization in a data center to bringing apps to users in a Chromebook. But like when you sure. talk to each other, that really shows. Uh, same way with, with you know, us and the Android team. You know, when, when you have like one technology on one side, you're like, oh, actually this could apply to, to more form factors. So um, that's pretty exciting. And then there's an external community of folks who bring um, our tech to unintended use cases. And then sometimes people build companies out of it, right? Uh, a good example is Chrome OS Flex, which I'm actually pretty psyched about. Um, there are a bunch of folks who are like, hey, Chrome OS has certain abstraction layers. If we take those, we can actually run it on old 
computers that are out there that are like you know standing in some in some in some company they would love to have them be faster and more secure and, and, and run again and use less power, but nobody supports them. And you put Chromos Flex on it, turns out like that works really well. So even that sort of like people building business models around those technologies, I think is, is where the power of this interaction comes from. Um, that's why I think is, is engagement is really important, right? Like these, mm-hmm. that's what conferences are for. The web platform is a really good job at those, right? Um, even the big conferences, developer conferences that we have, um, IO, et cetera, help sort of feed that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hop over to our last question here. So looking long-term, what does M200 look like? What things would you love to see Chromebooks tackle? So a hundred versions from, from now, what does that look like? hundred versions from now, that is, I think, um, Every four weeks, what is that? Eight years? So you ask me to like essentially project out eight years in the future. You know, how, super easy, right? How hard can it be? Robbie, Robbie wrote. Robbie wrote, wrote the question. We'll put it yeah, on. Robbie. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm gonna have to like, <laughs> thanks, Robbie. I'm gonna go on Twitter and like tweet him a, a similar question. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah. What, what what's gonna fuel my car in eight years? Um, <laughs> um, uh, is this a great... What what is what is what is Chrome Unbox going to be doing in eight exactly. years? So we could we, we could pare it down. I, we I could pare it down I, a little I, bit. You know, maybe I'm happy to take it um, because I actually actually have I actually have thought this is not the first time, right? Because sort of when when we do this sort of thinking about the past, uh, yeah. it is a logical thing. It's like yeah, buddy, like what's what's the next hundred releases? And actually actually sure. I've thought about this because it's hard to project out a hundred years in the future, but it's actually important to think about how to do it. Um, mm. And, and um, I always think about sort of, okay, I can predict with you sort of what next year is going to be interesting in terms of features, in terms of what we're going to build, what's coming out there. Right. Um, the further out you go, the more I have to abstract and sort of ask myself, what are trends um, and what are sort of like themes? Um, and I actually have sort of for, for M200 as a team, um, there, there's one which we talked about earlier in some of the questions, which is, Okay, if you ask yourself, what is an operating system at the basis? It is inputs, outputs, and coordinating them, right? The user wants to input information, mm-hmm. they want to get it back, and we are in between being like, oh, let's make those things to work together, right? So right. that's the basis of it. So what's going to happen in the next 100 releases is there's going to be new modalities of input-output, right? Uh, in the past 100, we have seen you know, trackpads, keyboards, touch, voice, stylus, right? Like more and more. There's going to be more input-output methods over time. That's going to be pretty exciting. So we will have to make sure that we build an operating system that can orchestrate them in a really meaningful way. So let's say that um, you know, augmented reality glasses are like going to be replacing your screen. That's great. It's an output method, right? That my glass will be then the output, but there's still an operating system running it behind it and sort of helping you be productive, right? Or maybe it is the mouse is going to be replaced by... Um, measuring my brain waves, uh, you know, with my Fitbit, um, so I have to like write yeah. all this all day. Maybe, maybe we're going to find better ergonomics than doing this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but something like that. So I think that's for us just like a space to really keep watching. Um, we've done this with mm-hmm. touch. We've done with the stylus, right? Where we sort of bring those in. I think that's one thing. The second piece that I think in the next hundred releases is going to be crucial is, is sustainability. Um, which is a really fascinating thing to say for an operating system because you're like, huh, you're a piece of software. It's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. like 
you're going to ask yourself, we create um, software that runs on hardware that consumes power, right? So how do we think about power consumption? How do we think about things like when does a device go to sleep, screen brightness? Flex actually um, enables people to extend the life of their of their old machines that they're otherwise going to throw away. So there's also this reuse aspect, right? It's like recycle, reuse. Um, yeah, I get, the, I get that by my trash bins outside always. Like, you know, first reuse, then recycle. So actually thinking about the right. sustainability aspect and how we as, as an operating system can further that, I think is really interesting in the next 100 uh, releases. And lots of interesting things. Um, last trend, I'll be very brief, uh, is sovereignty, um, which is a, a term we use a little bit for thinking about people are increasingly aware of their digital footprint, right? What data is there about me? Um, who does it belong to? Is it mine? Um, where is it? shared like how do i identify myself um those things are really crucial to 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 grapple with and and to uh enable people to be sort of the sovereign over their data and the sovereign over over their experiences there and sort of you know as that evolves not only like regulation but also in sort of just understanding of people who grow up as digital natives right like all these kids growing up in schools like I, I didn't have a phone in school. They have phones now, right? Like they, they do think about the digital yeah. identity. There's also a shift there. And then I want to make sure that we support that and we get that right. Um, so those are the maybe three trends. How they exactly manifest in N200? Sure. We'll see. But it's going to be exciting. Well, we're we're very excited. We're along for the ride. Uh, we've been uh, we've been telling everyone about how awesome Chromebooks are for a very long time, and we're excited to uh, to see the future. And especially with especially with you know the update cycle, that's something we always talk about. That's so that's so different and so fun about Chrome OS is you're 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 four weeks away from a from a new update, and there might be some new features, um, and and we love it. So, hey, Alex, thanks so much for taking the time. This has been really fun. Our five questions probably turned into several more, but that's okay. We have five core questions, so we tackled those, so we could call it a success. So. It was an absolute uh, pleasure. We ran by half an hour over. That's the half an hour that I had my one-on-one with my boss, so it's perfect. Um, I'll, I'll check now if I still have a job. <laughs> this is not- <laughs> well. We hope we, we hope you stick around. <laughs> Till next time. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate Bye. it. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes over at chromeunbox.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, make sure to check out our website, chromeunboxed.com, and follow us on social media by searching for at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.